Need a push getting your spirits, wine, or beverage brand into the hands of consumers? Interested in winning medals like a double gold award? Proof Awards, the ultimate beverage competition, can help jumpstart your brand into the hands of beverage buyers. Enter the Proof Awards. Be a part of the Proof Awards marketing campaign with our partner, Food and Beverage Magazine. All of our judges are buyers, and that's what sets our awards program apart from the others. Our judges head the beverage programs for restaurants, bars, nightclubs, casinos, liquor stores, big box retail, and national wine and spirits distributors. Your brand will be tasted by buyers from more than 15 states across the U.S., We have hundreds of categories to choose from at www.proofawards.com. Be seen by 12 million readers with our partner, Food and Beverage Magazine. Get tasted and rated by buyers. The Proof Awards competition is open for spirits, wine, and beverage brands today. Proof Awards, moving brands into the marketplace. www.proofawards.com. Welcome to Proof Live, where booze brands in the right hands. On a quest for the best tipple and toast with the most exciting and respected bottlings. Competing for the 100-point Perfect Score Century Award and the double gold and a spot on the top shelf to be sipped, shaken, stirred, and celebrated. Slide up to the bar with the biggest names in the spirits game as they clink glasses with your hostess, legendary connoisseur Jennifer English, for intimate conversations, live tastings, product launches, and the happiest hour there is. Now broadcasting live from the commodious confines of the Swanky Proof Saloon, where the liquid elite meet, here is your hostess, the Madam of Manhattans, the Duchess of Daiquiris, the Queen of Conviviality, your hostess, James Beard Award winner, Jennifer English. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm Jennifer English, and I'm the editor-at-large of Food and Beverage Magazine. I'm thrilled to welcome you today. And as always, I'm a little cockeyed here. I think I've got to get it straightened out. Um, I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled to welcome you. You know, we're in the dog days of summer when it's too hot to cook and too hot to eat. And when that's the case, we oftentimes like to go out to our favorite restaurants. Maybe you're traveling for the first time in a couple of years. Maybe you got to go someplace amazing. Maybe you've missed going to Europe and traveling around and eating. Well, traveling to eat has always been something we do with great passion, gusto, and zeal. We have books like the Michelin Guide to tell us where we should take our journeys and where they should lead us to. For a long time, there was a restaurant, an Italian restaurant called Prima Donna. And it was widely acclaimed as one of the best Italian restaurants in the United States, in North America, in an international guide about how to find the best Italian food there could be. It was a restaurant that was the kind of place you could imagine going and not having to cook and not having to worry and that you'd be welcomed and that the food would be transportational, like it would take you, it would jet you off to somewhere in your favorite region of Italy. The proprietor, Joe Costanzo, was legendary. He was larger than life. And his story is larger than life, too. And his daughter joins us today, Maria C. Palmer, who is an author of an upcoming book. She's a debut novelist who is using this story and her own storytelling and her experience in life. And we'll get into that a little bit. I don't want to do any spoilers. 
But it's really our pleasure to welcome her to Food and Beverage Magazine Live, Maria C. Palmer. Buongiorno, welcome. Hi, buongiorno, Jennifer. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You know, one of my close friends, Max Tucci, um, grew up in a family uh, that had its roots in Italy and that was also in the restaurant business. Um, and there's something about Italian food that we Americans just love, no matter where our own ancestors come from. Let's start by talking about what it's like to grow up in an Italian restaurant? Oh, I would love to. So I grew up at a very young age at the restaurant. My uh, father actually purchased the restaurant whenever I was four years old and my sister was nine months old. So it's always our little family joke that the restaurant was our third sibling. And I really did have that kind of push and pull relationship with the restaurant especially at the beginning, because as you know, Jennifer, when you're in the hospitality industry, you are in the hospitality industry. And there are- well, I call it a service business for a reason, because yes. you are- you are married to it. You are there 24-7. And, you know, all of a sudden my father went from being a postal worker to owning this restaurant and we didn't see a whole lot of him. Um, and it was really, really tough. So I always say the restaurant was at first my annoying little brother, but then I really grew up in it and I grew up loving it. And I remember, you know, playing pretend with my dolls and my teddy bears and seating them at the bar or at uh, one of our booths and pretending like I was waiting on them or filling ketchups whenever I, you know, wasn't even, you know, big enough to see over the counter and salt and pepper shakers. And that's really how I started with my journey in the industry. And then it, it grew from there. But growing up in a restaurant is certainly an incredibly unique experience for those of you who have not. <laughs> and for those of you who have, like I know you had just mentioned Max Tucci, which I know his family is the Delmonico family. You get it. You're part of this really special, unique club that not many are privy to. But let's talk about Prima Donna restaurant. For those of us that are not able to travel this summer to Italy or to one of our favorite destination restaurants. Prima Donna became the kind of place that people really did travel to go to. Not everyone was lucky enough to live nearby. People came to travel to it because it was a very special place. Paint a picture for us because you're an author. Engage us, take us with the theater of the mind to Prima Donna in her heyday. Oh my goodness. All right. So Prima Donna in its heyday. Let's start by just talking about the little town that Prima Donna is located in and the time that we were doing this. So the time frame that the restaurant was in business was from the mid 80s to the very early 2000s. So we're talking pre-Food Network, uh, pre-Celebrity Chef, pre-Foodie pre-YouTube, it was really um, kind of well before the time of getting your word out on social media. So I want to preface it by that. 
And McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, I'm sure that you probably haven't heard much about it because it's a very small suburb that is uh, just located right outside of Pittsburgh, and it's a very rough steel town. So if you visit Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it is not, not going to be on your list of sites of places to go, especially now. It's one of those places that back in the heyday, right around the World War II time, whenever people were coming to work in the steel mill industry, it was essentially where the Southern Italian people lived, almost, a, I guess you would consider it an Italian ghetto. But as the years went on, the businesses in that area really died because there were chain restaurants that were certainly popping up. And so there was nothing whenever my father came into McKee's Rocks, or as we call it as locals, The Rocks. And essentially what he built was a place that people would flock to for an experience of a lifetime. We had several celebrities that would come into the restaurant. Sometimes they would fly in even a day early. Tommy Lasorda, he came in whenever he was the coach of the Los so Angeles the Dodgers. Dodgers. He used to come in a night fire. early just to go to the restaurant. Um, wow. Yeah. So if the Dodgers are playing yeah. the Pirates, Tommy Lasorda is coming in just to eat with your family. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that happened because my dad was just a natural marketer and he knew how to get the word out for his business. So, you know, starting in the very early years of the restaurant, and again, we're we're all pre-internet, right? He was writing letters to the food critic, who was also a nationally syndicated columnist um, from the uh New York Post and uh, other newspapers around the country. And um, so, you know, this was the type of thing that he was that he was doing just to um, kind of lay the groundwork because he knew that he did not want this to be a local hotspot. He wanted this to be a national and an international spot. And it took a very long time and a lot of struggle to get it there. But once he got it there, that's whenever people came and they flocked and they came back. And I think that that is the precious gem of what the prima donna was to people. So I'm standing outside the prima donna in its heyday. What am I seeing? Go through the experience <laughs> of what I would have experienced as a regular. Yes. Take okay. me so, to the front door and take me through the experience of what the meal was like and take me through as much detail as you can about, about a dinner at the Prima Donna. Absolutely. So um, when the Prima Donna was in its heyday, believe it or not, Jennifer, we never took any reservations. It was a first come, wow. first serve situation. And, you know, the reason being is that we were an 83 seat restaurant. And we knew that from the second we opened our doors to the second they closed, we would be busy. And the kitchen was open from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. And the bar was open until 2. And if somebody walked in at 11 p.m., 
we were serving them. We did not shut down until it was essentially closing time. And even if they came in like 10 minutes after, the staff may have been a little perturbed with us, but we were serving them. That was not a problem. So what was the spirit of hospitality like at the Premium Don? If you had to describe what the spirit of the philosophy of hospitality was, what's it was Honestly, what people, what our customers have said to us, which I think is the highest compliment, is it was like going to our house and being a guest at our house. The moment that you walked in, regardless of how busy we were, my dad was at the front of the house and he was greeting you. And he was not just saying, oh, hey, how you doing? He was saying, Jennifer, it is wonderful to see you. Thank you for spending time with me tonight. How can I service you? Would you like your regular seat in the bar? Are you going to just get some appetizers and some drinks? What do you want your experience to be? And by the way, how's that upcoming promotion? How's your mom doing? What's going on with your kids? So my dad was invested in customers, not just, you know, you're going to help me set my business afloat, he wanted to be part of people's lives. And he really invited himself in and people welcomed that. And I think that that's what makes this experience so memorable is people love being special. And, you know, the I think the interesting thing about the restaurant is we were taught from a very young age. I mean, I started working there like honestly almost immediately, but we were taught that it doesn't matter if somebody comes in and they have sweatpants on and holes and, you know, they're all ripped up. You treat them with dignity and respect and like they're somebody. And I can't tell you how many people have told us over time, like, listen, I was a nobody. When I walked into the prima donna, I became a somebody. I became somebody who mattered. I felt love. I became nourished by your amazing Southern Italian cuisine. And I was stuffed for days and had leftovers forever. And, you know, those are the types of lasting memories. My, um, really good friend. Uh, unfortunately, his both of his parents kind of just recently within the past years have passed away and they were incredibly good customers at the restaurant. And whenever I was speaking with my friend and kind of giving my sharing my memories of his parents, he said, you know, the thing that hurts me the most is that the prima donna still doesn't exist because it would be a no-brainer where I would have my mom's repass. It, it would be there because that's where our spirit is. That's who we are. That's part of our identity. And that is the beauty of really engaging people in the spirit of hospitality. And that's what we did. Thank you. People may wonder why we're having an interview with a woman whose father had a restaurant that's been closed for almost 18 years, maybe 20. Yeah. The reason is because one of the most important lessons that anybody can learn about this business is in this story. I want you to listen to what Maria has to say because there is something so essential and I'm going to name it the endangered species list. Because with animals, if an endangered species 
is threatened, we do everything we can to protect it because to lose such a great creature would would diminish our ecosystem and our planet. I want you to imagine that on the endangered species list right now, as we face up to 60% of the food we eat by the end of this decade being delivered to our homes, meaning we're not going to restaurants as much, and if we're not going to restaurants and we're only getting it to go, guess who isn't part of that future? Mm-hmm. The front of the house, the maitre d' hotel and the front of the house. Front of the house is on the endangered species list. And the front of the house is where you are welcomed and it is where you are a regular and where you feel not only the warmth of a genuine hospitality expression like a welcoming, but in the care. I see you, I hear you, you matter. All the ways that a great restaurateur and maitre d'hotel and host welcomes you into a space and takes care of your needs. Where this is the most important consideration as we head into Food 3.0 is in the delivery side of things. If great restaurants are the only ones that can make food taste the way that it tastes, and somehow we're not going to be able to be there for whatever reason, or we choose not to, or they don't survive, more importantly, which is the second part of the story why we're talking to Maria today. But let's just talk about the first part. Mm -hmm. If we're losing the front of the house, if we're losing that point of connection, how do we, moving into the future of food, recreate that part of the nourishing experience of hospitality for our guests, even if they don't come into the house to be with us. How and where and why are we going to be able to recreate the table touch of Joe Mm -hmm. at the prima donna? How can we recreate the experience of somebody like a regular walking into the prima donna? You just explained to us how important that relationship was. Mm -hmm. And that's called bonding. And as we begin to go into food 3.0 and Look at how we're going to create communities. And people use that word all the time now. Let's create community. We have social audio. We have social media. Let's create community. You have nothing if you don't have authenticity and bonding. Mm -hmm. We unite and bond over food. And is it enough to have a disconnection with the food absent the front of the house? How can we create all of these things that you're talking about as we go forward. I know I'm preaching. I'm sorry. I, I get, I do this once in a while, once in a blue moon, but it's so you're giving us such an important message and gift today that I wanted to start by saying thank you. But then to you, why do you think it was so important to people that your dad made them feel so welcome and so special? What was that thing? And how do you think we can recreate it today? Absolutely. I think, you know, part of that is just my dad has a fascination with humans and he has a fascination with people's stories and he wants to be in the action and a part of everyone's stories. And whenever you walked into the prima donna, you became our family, no matter 
whether you were coming in because you wanted to sort of drink away what happened the night before or whether you were coming in because you were celebrating your proposal or your daughter's graduation. We wanted to be part of that experience and we wanted to help elevate you no matter where you met us. We were there at the door and we were there to shepherd you through your experience and whatever you needed at that moment. So that's what I'm going to say about that. As far as how we can move this into Web 3.0 and what those touch points look like, I think we need to also not just get people's order. It's so much more than what would you like to eat today? We need to know how you are coming to us. We need to know some data about you so that we can help to really personalize that experience and get to know you. And, you know, my dad had this like a little black book. He's, he's not tech savvy at all, but he, to this day, remembers everyone's birthday will call you. He will be the first call that um, you receive on your birthday. And that is something that is incredibly important to him. And same thing with his customers. He remembered those little nuggets about who they were and where they were in life and why they were coming to us at that point. And he capitalized it a lot. He capitalized on it, not in a pariah type of way, but in a partnership type of way. And he did it as such where he even created, and I think it's it was very interesting because again, think about where we were in the 80s and 90s, right? He created a whole apparel line of prima donna merchandise. And I have, I mean, it's really dead right now. This is from like 1985 probably, but like this is a shirt that says, I survived the wait at the prima donna restaurant. And he would give these things to customers and people were walking billboards for him. They would go to Myrtle Beach on their vacation and take a picture in their prima donna shirt or prima donna hat, or he even had prima donna tennis shoes. <laughs> and that's what does prima donna mean just for everybody that so absolutely. So prima donna in Italian means first lady. And uh, Prima Donna is also, my mother's name is Donna, my mother's first name. So whenever he was choosing the name of the restaurant, there was already, my uh, maiden last name is Costanzo, which is where the seat comes from. There was already a Costanzo's in downtown Pittsburgh. So he knew he really couldn't use that name. So the natural next name was Prima Donna. And I know that it does have a little, um, you know, uppity connotation to it as well here in English, English, but in Italian, it means first lady. And it also was my mom's name. So that's why it was special. One of the things, one of the things I want to, um, you're a very thoughtful person and you're a student of many things and mm -hmm. you're an accomplished woman in so many dimensions. But the second part of why it's important to focus on the relationship and bonding that occurs is in the nutrition. Mm -hmm. There's something emotionally nutritional about the engagement of being a regular going to your favorite restaurant that is as important for the complete human being as 
the vegetables and the meat and the protein and, and all the, the, the physical nutrition you get from your food. Can you talk a little bit about the emotional nutrition and how you would identify that as being a really as important factor as the food at Prima Donna? Absolutely. So uh, Prima Donna was in an area that a lot of people from Southern Italy, specifically from Calabria, immigrated to. And so whenever we were coming up with the menu, and you know, obviously my dad is first generation Italian, my grandparents came over from Italy, one is from Calabria, the other is from Abruzzi. And whenever we were developing the menu, um, you know, as we kind of went through life, my grandparents really had it rough. And, um, you know, honestly, started out with nothing, even my grandmother, she was the oldest of six and three were born in Italy. And then there was a seven year gap between when her father was able to bring her mother and the three that were born in Italy to America. And then three more children were born in America. So we didn't really live off of the silver spoon. We came from a very immigrant heavy area and people loved Italian food and they didn't love Olive Garden Italian food. These were authentic people. And so we knew that whenever we were making something, these folks would be able to immediately call our bluff if it was not of the most authentic category. And, um, you know, one of the first things that my dad did is he had a cousin who came over from Italy right around the time that he was opening the restaurant. And his cousin's name was Pino. And Pino actually in Italy, it's sort of a nickname for little Joe. And he didn't have a job. Um, he was marrying an American woman. And my dad said, how about coming down and cooking for me? And Pino, my dad's mother, um, Helena, who actually my daughter is named after, and my mother, they really were integral in um, putting together those first menu items of what was going to draw the community. Because um, one of the things that I think is very important is whenever you're opening up a restaurant, you want to make sure that you're speaking to the locals before you're speaking to the national audience. Because if you can get something right locally, that is your test market from whenever you're about to go nationally or globally. If it doesn't work locally, it's not going to work in those other markets. So he was able to work with the community and to see what people wanted on that menu and developed it over time to 32 different pasta dishes, seafood, veal, chicken, pork. I mean, you name it. We did I travel to go to the Prima Donna? What did I travel there for? What was the dish that was the signature dish that was the most famous and most irresistible? One of my favorite food words. What was the most irresistible thing on the menu that people traveled there to have? What was the must order thing when you went to the Prima Donna? That is such a hard question. And that is one that is up for debate to this day. Um, if you ask my dad, he would definitely say it would be like a pasta puttanesca, which in um, the translation in Italian is spaghetti of the um, night women. <laughs> um, 
it was, it had black olives and peppers and it was really spicy uh, with a nice like bolognese kind of sauce. Um, Spaghetti con sausage was also very, very popular. We tried to source local ingredients. So there was a local sausage shop that's still in order right now called Richie's Italian Sausage. And we got loose Italian sausage and put it in a a spicy red sauce. I hope Um, they gold belt. My personal... (laughs) I know, right? They should. Um, My personal favorite was a uh, dish that was on special quite often. And I, you know, anytime I was like working there, I was always trying to get the chefs to put it on. It was called a chicken Milano. And it was medallions of fresh chicken breast with red roasted peppers, sun-dried tomatoes, sauteed onions and mushrooms over a linguine in a white wine sauce with garlic undertones. And it was just wonderful. And um, we served a pound of pasta for every individual wow. dish. Wow. So uh, that's Listen, how I got muscles. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize because we have kept you longer than we promised that we would. But this has been such a fascinating conversation. I told you it was going to fly by. I knew it would. <laughs> Please come back and visit us again sometime and tell everybody you're your book is called On the Rocks, and it's uh, due to be published. Um, where can people find out more information about you and the legendary restaurateur Joe Costanzo from Prima Donna? Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to give a shout out also to my co-author, Ruthie Dines, and uh, to my agent who's out there trying to sell the book, Leticia Gomez at Savvy Literary. Uh, if people would like to continue to connect with me, you can do so. I have a website, www.mariac palmer.com i also have a facebook and instagram page which is at joe costanzo prima donna that's j-o-e-c-o-s-t-a-n-z-o prima donna p-r-i-m-a-d-o-n-n-a and on twitter maria c palmer is my twitter feed and i'm also on clubhouse i um co-moderate a room every sunday at four o'clock the good, the bad, and the ugly of hospitality. So everybody can uh, stop by there as well. And it has been such a pleasure to talk with you today, Jennifer. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I would love to come back anytime to talk about just about anything with you. It's been really fun. So thank you. Thank you so much.